And let us read from verse 2. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. We are reminded the very first words of the chapter that came to pass after these things. One commentator makes the suggestion that this is after nine great trials. After nine other trials, God came and spoke to Abraham and put before him this other trial. And it is reckoned that here Abraham is called upon to endure a still sterner test. And what I want us to look at tonight is the trial of Abraham. The severest trial that he faced. Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering. We want us to notice three things about this trial. The burden of the trial. And secondly, his behavior in the trial. And then thirdly, the benefits of the trial. First of all then, the burden of the trial. It was a great burden when you consider what he had to do. He was being asked by God to give up something for which he dearly longed. He was being asked by God to give up something which he had looked for. Something which God had promised to him, which God had given to him, he is now being asked to give it up. And when you look closer, Abraham was being asked to sacrifice his son. And notice the way it is put here. Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, his only son. He was to take him and he was to sacrifice him. The thing that was most dear to him, he was to take it and put it to the side. But also we are told, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, something that was very, very precious to him, he was to sacrifice. And something else that God said to him, God didn't say that, Abraham, I'm going to take your son away. God didn't say, Abraham, your son is going to die. But what God said was this, Abraham, you take your son and offer him for a sacrifice there on Mount Moriah. 
So you can see the burden of this particular trial. And I think there are times when God's people are faced with a very severe trial. You could say the stiffest or the sternest test yet. For God is asking us to give up something or to be willing to sacrifice something that is very dear to us and that is very precious to us. And you can imagine how Abraham felt. You can imagine the burden he was under at this particular time. A number of months ago I took a, a trip to Israel with the Christian witness to Israel. And before leaving Inverness, my wife and my little boy came, came with me. They came to see me off. And you can imagine the feelings when you're leaving your wife and your little boy behind you and you're going abroad and you don't know what is going to happen. And especially when, when I was considering that well, being married for 10 years and no family, and then we have a little boy. And if anything was to happen to him, or if anything was to happen to me. And when we went to, when I arrived in Israel, the first place, or one of the first places we went to, was the place which looked on to Mount Moriah. And that night I was, in my own quiet time, I was considering this particular trial of Abraham. And in just a small way, I was trying to put myself into Abraham's shoes. And I was trying to picture the situation at that Inverness airport. If I was told in some way that I was never going to see my wife or my little boy again, or if I was told there, thousands of miles away from them, that I might not see them again, I couldn't take it in. I couldn't appreciate it, I couldn't understand it. Now you can imagine how Abraham felt when he was being told that not only was his son to be taken away or was his son to be sacrificed, but that Abraham himself was to make this particular sacrifice. The burden of the trial. You see, there was nothing wrong with his promised son. It wasn't that his son wasn't meant to be born. He was meant to be there. There was nothing wrong with the fact that he had this particular son. It was the son of promise. And God was asking him to give up this most legitimate thing. Now you can imagine how Abraham felt the burden of the trial. But the second point, his behavior in the trial. And I think when you consider Abraham's behavior, it is a lesson for us. It is an example, especially when we may be going through a difficult or a trying time. Abraham was faced with his trial. You may be faced with a trial. You may be going through a particular difficulty at this time. 
I want us to notice the behavior of Abraham in this time. And first of all, he was passive to the command. We don't read of any word of argument. We don't have Abraham questioning God and asking him, Lord, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to go through this particular trial? We don't even find Abraham asking God or saying to God, Lord, I've gone through many other stiff trials. Can I not have another trial, any other trial but this one? He was passive. Or you can put it this way, there was this obedience to the word of God. There was this acceptance of the will of God. It was like saying, Thy will be done. So the first question I put to you, what is your behavior under the trial that God has for you? Are you accepting it as from the Lord? Believing that all things are working together for good. Or do you find yourself arguing against God? Do you find yourself questioning God and asking him, Why have I to go through this? Do you find yourself asking God for another trial? You know, there are times when we are going through a difficulty or a trial. We imagine that no one is going through this particular trial. Or that no other trial could be worse than this one. But Abraham was passive. He was obedient to the word of God. Then secondly, I want us to notice how prudent he was. We are not told that Abraham consulted with anyone about what God was asking him to do. You see, the command of God was clear. It was plain. Now you can imagine maybe the situation where Abraham would go to someone and say, what do you think I should do? Do you think it's right for me to do this? Do you think I meant to do this? Imagine if Abraham went to his wife and told her what God was requiring of them. His prudence. Because he didn't consult with them. Because if he did, it would weaken his resolve. No other times when we know the will of God and we know what God's will is for us and we know what God is requiring of us to do and yet we will, we will question, we will ask, we will consult now I'm not saying there's anything wrong with seeking advice or seeking help but when we are coming to someone and saying do you think I should really do this? Is it right for me to do this or is it, is it right for me to stop doing that? 
when it is clear from God's word that you ought to, when you know his will, when you know what he is requiring of you, how prudent he was. And you know there are times when, yes, we have to make big decisions in our lives. We believe that God is leading us in a particular way and we believe it is in accordance with God's will and God's word. And we go and we begin consulting, seeking advice when we know what we ought to, ought to be doing. And what is happening? Our, uh, we are being weakened. Our resolve is being weakened. But then a third thing about his behavior was his promptness. We are told that Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass. He did not delay. We are not told that he was given a particular time. God, God didn't say to him, Abraham, tomorrow go and take thy son. All he was told was that he had to take his son. Now Abraham could have said, God has told me that I must do this. Oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to go through with it. I'm going to do all that he's asking me. But I'm not going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to do it, but maybe next week is, is time enough. Oh, I'm determined that I'm going to do it. And all the time, putting it off. And I think with regard to our obedience to the, command of, to the commands of God's will, we are like that. Oh, I'm determined that I'm going to do it. And at times when men and women are considering coming to the table of the Lord. Oh yes, one day I'm going to do it. Or if it's with regard to, say, personal relationships, things that we have to put right between one another. Yes, we can, be say, we can say I'm determined that I'm going to do it. But Abraham was prompt. He did not delay. He immediately began to do what God had required. But then a fourth thing we notice about Abraham's behavior in this trial. And that was the, the precautions that he took. You see, God had asked him to take his son and to sacrifice him. Now, he was even told the place where he had to go. Abraham could have landed there and realized that he had no wood, or that he had no knife, or that he had no fire to burn the wood. He could have forgotten to take something with him, maybe deliberately forgotten. But in a way, there was still the obedience to the command, but at the same time, he had forgotten something. Abraham did not want to break down in any of the deeds that God that was required for the performing of God's will. 
all the difficulties or all the things that could have prevented his obedience, he foresaw them. And he was determined that he was not going to fall down and over. We are, we are told how he took the, world, the wood. We are told how he took everything that was required. He made all the precautions that were necessary. You know, there are times when we feel there is something that we have to do. God's Word is making it clear to us that maybe there is someone we have to go and apologize to for something. We leave the house, and yes, we are determined that we're going to go to the place where that, where that person is. You know, at the back of the mind, we, can, we, 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 we could know that that person is not going to be there when we arrive. But we'll say, well, I'm going to the house and I'm going to ask uh, whoever answers the door, is so-and-so in? And when they tell me they're not in, well, I, 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 I tried, I, I, I did my best. I came to apologize or I came to put things right and it just didn't happen to be there. you could think of many other illustrations where we know the will of God and we don't take the necessary precautions or we don't do all that is required to fulfill the command of God where there is some area in which we fall down but then notice another thing how he persevered how he persevered you see, the journey took three days. And as Abraham was walking or uh, as he was riding along, making for Mount Moriah, you can imagine all the thoughts that were flooding into his mind that he persevered. And then you could you, you could think of the, the questions that his son was asking. Why do we have to go so far? And then there was the, the ultimate question was, where is the lamb? And Abraham persevered. He was going to do the will of God. And I think also you see his perseverance in the way he prepared the altar. He persevered. And you know, going back to the point I made earlier, uh, there is a, another very important point there in the way Abraham prepared the altar. He didn't want even that to fall down. But then, the last thing to notice about Abraham's behavior or about Abraham's action, there was one thing that he knew. One thing of which he was persuaded that God, as you read in Hebrews, that God was going to raise him up again. You see, we have the faith of Abraham. And he was persuaded that God was a covenant-keeping God. That God's promises would be fulfilled. And that the promises that 
God gave to him with regard to his son Isaac, they were going to be fulfilled. And Abraham was persuaded of this. Abraham believed in a covenant-keeping God. And I believe that is the reason why he behaved, or why he acted in the way he did. He was going to go through with the sacrifice, believing that it was possible for God to raise him up again. Then the second question I put to you is this. How do you behave under the trial? Are you careful in what you do in your particular trial? Are you careful what you say when you're going through this particular trial? Are you careful what you think as you're in this particular trial? You see, in a time of trial, we can have thought, we can have complaining thoughts. In our time of trial, we can say things to people that we regret, later that we will regret. What is our behavior as we go through a time of trial? This is the great example. Abraham's faith, when Abraham's faith was tested, he believed God. He believed that God had a purpose in this. He believed God himself. So coming to the third point, <clears throat> the benefit of the trial. You see, God had a purpose in all this. And we are told how Abraham was going to go through with the whole trial. And how he was going to sacrifice his son. And then the voice from heaven came and prevented him from slaying his son. One of you notice the first benefit was that the covenant that God had already made with Abraham was verified. It was strengthened or it was underlined. And we notice in, in, the, in verse 17, well, from verse 16, and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sun which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall protect the gate of his enemies. This was the covenant that God had made earlier with him, being underlined, being verified by God. And I believe that when God is taking his people through times of difficulty and times of trial, one benefit or one blessing from it is God renewing his promises to us. Or you can think of many promises that God has given to his people. And you know when God has taken you through it, the promises become that bit more real to you. I will never leave thee. I will never forsake. Though all men should forsake, we have the promise that God would never forsake us. We have the promise that 
all things are under the control of God. We have the promise that he is working out his plan and his purpose for each one of us. He is saying that as one with patience the race that is set before us, the individual race that God has for you, do you have this promise being renewed that God is going to take you through? That God is going to be with you. The one who is going before you as the breaker up of your way. The one who is behind you saying, this is the way. Walk you in it. God will renew or underline the promises that he has made. In other words, the promises of God will become more precious to you. And God has taken you through a particular time of testing and trial. But then a second benefit was she had a clearer view of Christ. A clearer view of Christ. The Lord himself said, He saw my day. Now you can imagine the situation. Abraham was about to sacrifice his son. And the voice from heaven said, No! And when Abraham turned round, he saw the ram caught in the thicket. And I believe then that he saw, he had a clearer view of a coming Savior. Man was to die for, man should have died for his sin. But there was the one promise of God came to deliver sin or to deliver men and women from their sin to die on their behalf now that is the, I believe that was the view that Abraham had but the point I wish to make is this whatever trial or time of testing we go through I believe that it should give to us a clearer view of Christ I would add this that no matter what test we are going through or no matter what blessing we receive from God if it is at all from God it will give to us a clearer view of Christ it will make some part of his of his ministry or of his work more precious and more real to us you can imagine Abraham he was going to make a sacrifice and I believe that the sacrifice that Christ was going to make on behalf of his people was something that was very real to Abraham. You may think of something in your own life where, there was, where the, you, you had to make a particular sacrifice. Where there was something you had to leave or something you had to give up. It was in the will of God. Well then you, can, you have this clearer view of all that Christ gave up. All the heaven's glory, the glory that he left behind him to come down to this life, to come down to this world, to die for the sins of his people. A clearer view of Christ. You've had to go through a particular prolonged trial. A real, a burden that was affecting you, not just in a physical, but maybe in a mental way. You can imagine some of the agonies you endured. That points you to Christ. Imagine the suffering. Imagine the agony. 
he endured on behalf of his people. The particular trial that you may be going through is that you are being taunted or people may laugh at you because of the stand you are taking for Christ. You can think of all the mocking that he received. The trial gave him a clearer view of Christ. And it made the Lord more real and more precious to him. My friend, remember, God has a purpose in all trials. You are not going through something just for, uh, for no purpose at all. It will give to you. It ought to give to you. If we are behaving at right under the trial, it ought to focus our attention more upon Christ. It ought to make him more real and more precious to you. And the third thing was, the third benefit was to hear the commending voice of God. And I think this is wonderful. I know thou fearest God. The commending voice of God. And I think that when the Lord's people have been brought through a particular trial, oh, they hear the well done from God. There is the commending voice where you come through the trial and you begin, you're, you're reading in the Word of God and you see certain verses and certain promises becoming alive to you, becoming more real to you. It is the voice of God speaking to you, commending you. God commends His people by His Word, through His Word. Maybe as you as have sat under the preaching of God's Word, you have heard the commending voice of God, acknowledging what you have done. As it is here, God saying to Abraham, I know your belief, or I know your reverence, or I know your fear, I know your love. And this is a comfort to any believer that God speaks in such a way to his children. And he does. We were singing in Psalm 103. Such pity as a father has unto his children dear. Like pity shows the Lord to such as worship him in fear. And as a father will commend and comfort uh, his child when he has gone through some trial or test or difficulty or problem or hurt, the father will comfort his son, his child, through God, will comfort and commend his children. And to sum it all up, I would sum it up in this way. The benefit that came from this child came because of the way Abraham behaved under the child. And any benefit or the blessings and the benefits we receive from our time of testing and from our time of trial, determined by the way we react under the test. And if we are bitterly complaining against God and if we are unhappy under the trial or if we are feeling that God is being unjust to us, 
then we cannot expect to receive this, a great blessing from the Lord through the time. But you know, like Job, when the Lord, when the Lord's people, when an individual, when one partner is taken and the other partner is left, like Job, we can say the Lord gave, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That is a right attitude under a particular power. To lose one's loved one, to lose one's partner, and to say the Lord gave. Oh, you still feel the hurt. That doesn't stop the tears. That doesn't in any way take away the void, the, the emptiness that you feel within you. But because you adopt the right attitude, God is there to bless, to undertake, to strengthen us, to help us. As we are faced with that particular uh, difficulty or challenge. You can think of many others, many other trials that you have had to endure as you adopt the right attitude of mind and of heart, God will make it, make the trial, the test, a blessing to you. You know, as we draw near to the end of a communion season, if you have received any blessing from God over that, these last few days, remember the devil is going to be around the corner waiting for you. And he is going to, he is going to, he also test. And he is going to try any blessing that you have. You know, one way we behave under the test that comes from the enemy is we look to God. We look, be, we look beyond ourselves, we look to God. And we are assured that when we look to him, he is there to help us and to undertake for us. And there are times when we have received a particular blessing from God that he will take us through a time of testing. Something's immediately after it. And again, our behavior under that trial will determine the benefit we receive from it. God bless these thoughts to you. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, be with us and bless us. We pray that the light of thy countenance would shine upon us. That the love of the gospel of Jesus Christ would flood our hearts. That the power of thy Holy Spirit would take control of us. And that we would be obeying the command of thy word, that we would be presenting ourselves living sacrifices unto thee. We pray then, O God, that thou would take our lives and let them be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Forgive us, O God, if there is anything we tend to hold back from thee. Forgive us, O God, if we are not willing to lay all upon the altar of sacrifice for thyself. O Lord, we thank thee that thou dost not ask us to bear the impossible. We bless thee that thou dost not ask us to go through any trial that is going to 
bring us completely down. We realize at times that we are brought low. But, O oh Lord, we thank thee that there is the everlasting arms underneath us, able to lift us and to strengthen us and to enlighten us in our way. Bless us then, O God, with thy blessing. Bless us in the days that are ahead. Undertake for us in all that we seek to do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.